Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. It's hard to believe that 12 months have elapsed since this happened. This is the moment. It's Archer to Guttall. Two to win. Guttall's going to push for two. They've got to go. It's got to throw. It's got to go to the keeper's end. Go on, go on. Yeah! That, of course, was me at the back of the media centre at Lords in the videotape truck with all the producers and various other technicians celebrating England's amazing World Cup win. That was 14th of July 2019, who could forget that? And now it's 13th of July 2020, and I'm with today a man who should be working at Lords. Normally that's his domain, but he's had to relocate under lockdown to a different office. Richard Goatley, Chief Executive of Middlesex. Normally you'd be in situ at Lords behind the pavilion where the Middlesex office is, but we're sitting on the terrace of Teddington's Cricket Club, the new pavilion overlooking Bushy Park. There's about 12 deer in the distance. Uh, it's a bit like being at a safari park, actually, which must be a beautifully pacifying view given the stresses of being a county chief executive. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Simon. It's, it's a really, really pleasant place to come. We've got a little remote office here at... Um, Teddington Cricket Club. Uh, the pavilion was put up. It was open last October. Uh, it's a fantastic place to, to come. And certainly with the COVID crisis, it's been a great bolt hole to come and uh, actually do some work quietly um, with Lords largely shut. So uh, um, I'm very lucky that I've probably got the two best offices in cricket, one at Lords and, and, and one here. And uh, yeah, we're delighted with how it's working out. What, what's the benefit, actually? Of, I mean, I can see the, the downsides of not being at Lords in terms of sort of access to things and all that. But what are the benefits of being somewhere like this? Um, it's, it's largely time, Simon. I'm 10 minutes from home. Um, I can drive here in, in, you know, in, in about 10 minutes. And uh, uh, I get a lot longer working day here. There's also a lot less distraction. As you said, it's very peaceful here and it's really enjoyable being here. My, uh, my finance uh, director also can work here. He lives locally as well, so we can get a lot of time 
uh, and peace to actually do some uh, some proper work. Lords is a wonderful place, but it's a very very live ecosystem, and you do find sitting there you can be a, a bit of a target for uh, um, people dropping in for a uh, a quick chat or a, or a cup of tea. So, uh, and we get a lot of peace here, and it certainly worked really well during this crisis because we're able to uh, able to get a lot done because there is a lot of bookwork, a lot of numbers work going on at the moment for obvious reasons. Yeah, I, I noticed a uh, a whiteboard on your office wall there with a lot of quite uh, bewildering. Uh, branches off and various sort of topics to deal with. I mean, can you give us a sense of the number of different things that you have to deal with on a, say, weekly basis? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the shop window of the first team is, has almost been the least of our problems, really, of late, because they've not been playing and the players have been furloughed. But around that, obviously... We have an India business, um, which obviously due to the uh, COVID crisis also hitting um, Mumbai quite badly. Um, we've got to manage where our academy is currently suspended because the, the kids can't come. But that, that takes up a lot of time. We've obviously worked very hard on bringing recreational cricket back. And we're delighted that the league season will start here next, season, uh, next week. Uh, which is which is great news, and and fundamentally the the finances of the game obviously are uh, in turmoil, which is not not necessarily a a, a drastically bad situation. Or, it's something or a new we can thing, manage. Actually, I mean, no, it's... exactly. It's well, it's the one year we actually got a whole lot more money because of the new TV deal, and obviously we were expecting that problem to have gone away. But fundamentally, managing the business, reshaping it, and looking at what it looks like in the post-COVID world is is a huge challenge at the moment. We sit here in. Uh, in the middle of July, and, and we still don't know if, when we're going to have crowds. Are we going to have crowds this year? Are we going to have crowds next year? Um, and obviously a large part of our revenues are built around membership and gate receipts, and uh, we've got to make sure the business is fit for purpose going forward. So there is a talk of, uh, obviously, that the season restarting shortly. Uh, how hard has that been to, to try and engineer? I think if you ask my staff, they'll say very hard. The guys on the ground have worked unbelievably hard. Obviously, we've had quite a few people furloughed, so my senior management team has, has put in a vast amount of work with Gus and Lorraine, Laura, James, the, uh, the other guys, who have worked incredibly hard to uh, just make sure that when we go back to cricket, we're doing it in a safe way. And that's the key, safe for our players, for our staff, and, and for any supporters who are actually in, in the ground. So that's, that's been a, a large key. The other part as well is we are a members' club, so we've got to keep engaging with our members. Normally, you know, a lot of people rely on us in the summer for their entertainment, for their engagement. And we've had to keep that going. You've been part of some of the dressing room conversations we've had. Um, Steve Fletcher in our office has spent a lot of time just trying to get more and more content, just to make us keep members feel engaged, keep knowing that we're still here. We can't just shut down. Um, we're, we're a live club. Yeah, and I suppose you know they've all paid their subscriptions and they're not getting anything for it at the moment apart from this content. But when cricket does start again there is uh, the plan to stream games to members so how will that work uh, i think we're going to go for a, a better solution than we've had previously and that will that will then last into the future really where we're able to have more cameras now so it won't just be the static camera um, solution hopefully we can get a production in terms of of the play um, that gets more used to what the what the the, the spectators are um are, you know have experienced in the past one of the trouble with um sky and sunset and vine all these guys is their production quality now is so high mm. that just sticking one static camera um it doesn't really meet it the requirements like the 1970s, of the 70s doesn't it? it it does it's it's something something that we we can use going forward where people want to stay in contact with the cricket it's the equivalent now of what i used to do as i remember um in the early 80s um watching teletext change Yes. Uh, while people, you were bowling. It's, actually, they, 
the uh, the opposition runs went higher. Actually, you went quite quickly yeah. when uh, when you were bowling. <laughs> you switched it off but, again quickly. But it was you know you, you had that sort of engagement as a kid where you know. You, Basically, people want to see how their team's doing. If, even if they can't see it live, you know, there's great interest in county cricket, and uh, that's what we're trying to trying to fulfil, really. Obviously, the, uh, the the difficulty is being uh, one of the difficulties is being trying to get a consensus amongst the counties for what type of cricket to play. So, give us a sense of, of what that sort of debate has been like. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I suppose it's it's pretty easy to to frame that, Simon, because we're eighteen very different businesses. Um, you've got these huge venues, some of which have hotels and and you know the magnificent facilities at the Rose Bowl that we've seen in the last week on the, uh, the Test match and and uh, at uh, Emirates Old Trafford and and Headingley in the Oval, etc. And and they're very different businesses to the smaller cricket clubs. Um, you know, your what we call the Cat C, effectively the non-host venues for the uh, um, for the hundred tournament. And those businesses are far more reliant on on different sorts of income. And in terms of their their supporter base, some of those are very white ball focused, uh, very twenty twenty focused. If you look at um, some of the counties, the Catsies have done marvellously well in the blast. You've seen counties like Northants um, uh, win it a couple of times, I think, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and we won it in 08, and Essex won it last year. Worcestershire have done very well. So you can understand that in terms of fulfilling their needs of their businesses and their spectators, they might be different to the more traditional counties. We, of course, are in a group of one, really, where we don't own our own ground, but we have the responsibilities of, of playing at Lords, very traditional county, a county in winning the county championship is hugely important, and perhaps we're going more in that direction. But it's been pretty civil, and, and I think everyone's understanding of each other's issues. Um, it's just getting to the right answer, and I, I think we've got there. So what is the right answer? I think the right answer is, is some white ball cricket um, through mostly August. Um, it looks like we're going to have a five-match t- uh, five tournament with a final um, at the end of it, uh, a five-day final, which would be... Uh, which will be wonderful, and the blast, which is the blast, drives a lot of the interest in the game. It drives a lot of the revenues, and keeping that alive. It's been a fantastic tournament the last few years. The blast. It's been so engaging to the public that it's very, very important to keep that keep that running. So it means the 50-over competition goes by the by. I think that in reality, um, certainly with the hundred running alongside the 50-over uh, competition in the original calendar, it was a, a you know a, a mildly less important competition. Um, for that reason anyway so I think that by having a blend of, of the championship for our members and for, for our traditionalists um, and the blast I think that's the right mix So it's going to be mostly red ball cricket in August and then the blast takes over but there'll be red ball at the same time? There'll be, yeah, yeah. August will be most we'll start on 1st of August um, and the uh, August programme will be mostly red ball. There'll be um, a small interlude for um, some red ball cricket in September when the blast's going on but fundamentally it will culminate in a blast final towards the end of September and a, uh, a one-off um, well, what I would think of as being a Sheffield Shield type solution, um, one-off final for the, uh, for the red ball cricket um, at the beginning of October. You mentioned the members there and the fact that they, you know, they wanted to stay engaged in the game and obviously had, uh, you've tried to come up with schemes to, to keep them interested. What about the players, who most of whom have been furloughed? How hard has it been to maintain their interest and maintain their, their mental health as well? Yeah, it's been really, really important and there's been an awful lot of engagement with the players because this is a really awkward situation for them to be in. Um, even even when they're injured, at least players could go out, do other things, um, and um, and basically you know train. Being locked up 
effectively inside just with their um, partners. In some cases, obviously, young players don't have partners and families. It's been really tough. So we've worked really hard with our medical team um, to make sure the players engaged. I've certainly had far more player engagement of late. Um, uh, just checking in on everyone and also keeping them involved. I mean, one of the, the uh, casualties of uh, the COVID crisis has been pay. You know, the whole club is on a pay cut at the moment. And um, I think that when, um, when an organisation's not paying you the money that you're contracted to be paid, you've got a right to a lot of information about why that is and what's actually happening with the club. Fortunately, we've had really no issues at all with the staff who have been kept involved with the state of the finances and have been really, really supportive of just getting the club in the right position to go forward. So give me an example of a player, and obviously you don't have to name them, um, who maybe has had some difficulties of what those difficulties might have been. Uh, I th- well, I think that there's little things to adjust to. I mean, I, I've, I've had the same where, you know, you have players with young children who normally in, uh, and you'd have experienced this in uh, March, April, you say goodbye, kids, goodbye, <laughs> darling. And, um, and you, you know, you, you come back in October. And now through that period, people had a very, very different lifestyle where suddenly, you know, they've got homeschooling, all this sort of stuff. And it's stuff that's just fundamentally very different to what they do. And the one thing we all know about, about cricketers is they're the most fantastically competitive people in the world. When you take away that spirit of competition from them, they, they, you know, they, they're a little bit um, you know, sort of distraught, really, that, that that massive outlet for all their, their skill, talent and, and determination just isn't there. So I, I, I think there's probably been a few Monopoly boards been thrown across um, rooms and sort of things where just rather there isn't than, that outlet. Rather than bats when you well, get dismissed or get a... A bad LBW decision or something. I mean, that, that's a very good point. And actually, it's funny, but I also think that... Um, I remember, you know, when I first got married and I was playing at the same time, it, it was a bizarre experience for the wife because I was never there in the summer and always there in the winter. Mm. So they have to sort of work out a, a way of, of dealing with that and also dealing with these sort of ranges of emotion... You know, you come back one day having had a great day and you're feeling all sort of uh, vibrant and you want to go out for dinner and celebrate and all that. And that the wife might have had a tough day and for, for, for whatever reason. And then another day you come back and you've got naught or you've got naught for 100 and you're feeling co- totally morose and monosyllabic and they have to deal with that. So it, it, has, it must have been, uh, now that they've got the players there all the time... It must be quite hard for the wives as well. Yeah, I think it's I think it's hugely tough for them and and everyone else as well. I mean, you know, I, I've found that you know your your sort of general mood goes in swings and roundabouts over the last few months, where you have good weeks and bad weeks. Where mm. sometimes it's actually quite nice. The weather's the weather's good, and you can sit in the garden with your laptop and and uh, and you can really sort of reacquaint uh, yourself with your family. But. Um, other times you're sort of just desperate just to get out there and see people and and engage and these are young men as well they're not you know they're not uh, they're not used to being sort of caged in this way and I think it's been really tough for them but our guys have done really really well and I, I expect us to hit the ground running pretty pretty hard well that'll be uh, very encouraging and uh, clearly Middlesex I mean we did this zoom call didn't we with the the 1980s Middlesex team where uh, there were four championship uh, wins in that period there was a lot of cup wins as well Middlesex haven't had the, the success that probably the members have got used to or hoped for. Uh, I mean, what, what, what can you do about that? I, I, one of the things I, I've always felt, actually, to sort of slightly answer the question is the, the Asian community in London, who are massive and are cricket converts, I've felt there's always been a bit of a disconnect 
for whatever reason, and there may be blame on both sides here, between that community and the club, is there something going on there? And you mentioned, by the way, you mentioned the Sasha Tendulkar Academy, which we have the nets for at the back here. So is that part of the, the plan in a way? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, the first thing we did in, um, uh, in 2015 when I took over was in writing the, the club strategy for my tenure, we had three main pillars um, uh, for our strategy, and, and one of them was diversity, to actually improve um, the club's relationship um, with those other communities. Because when we looked at it, as you said, in the 80s and 90s, when the club... I think it might have won 14 trophies in 14 years, something something like that. And uh, that was built around, um, you know, uh, black and Asian players. I mean, it was a fantastic, um, a fantastic success for the club. And we are clearly at our strongest when we truly represent our community. So one of the reasons for engaging with Sachin was to build the club around a far more sympathetic tone towards the Asian community. We've done a lot more work. Um, with the um, specific Asian leagues, there's quite a few round Middlesex um, that are sort of almost standalone. There's not been enough engagement with them. We've worked hard to bring those back into the fold. We've done some rationalisation of the leagues. It's going to take time, but when I look now at our academies and our youth squads, I see really, really talented kids from those communities um, that will be the players of, 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 next, you know, of the next decade. As I say, it's frustrating because you want it now, but there aren't quick fixes in, in this area. We're hugely engaged in doing this. Our board is, you know, it's, it's almost the most important thing we're doing right now. And I've got a board meeting tomorrow where it's, it's actually top of the agenda is how we actually continue to get this right. So it's, it's very important and it is the measure of success. But like everything, you know, you said, how do we build a winning team? You build a winning team slowly. When Gus Fraser took over, I think in 2009, um, he brought in a lot of changes and it took really until 2016, um, where we won the championship, for that to reach a sort of crescendo. Um, it's gone down now. We're not playing as well as, as we'd, we'd like. But in large, that's because we're building again. You know, when I look at our batting lineup for next year, you know, we've got Gubbins, Holden, Lace. These, these guys are going to be great. They're, they're young players that are going to be really fantastic. You know, Helm, all these other guys. We've got real talent in that squad. Just needs a bit of time to come through. We had that last time. I, I suspect to have sustained success in sport, money makes a big difference. And while we're not poor, we're not rich. We're, we're very much in the middle of, a, of our resources. Um, so, um, you know, we don't have the, the funds that Surrey do. So it's, it just takes a little bit longer to make those changes. Well, what are the finances like, actually? I mean, I've seen the balance sheet for, you know, a few years, and it tends to be, let's say, roughly $6 million out mm. and about $6 million back in. Mm. So... Is it that precarious? Um, yes, it is to a degree. Um, the, the fundamental, really, is that your biggest cost is people for Middlesex. I mean, we don't, we're don't. we a bit different to other counties because I've got no debt, but I don't really have any assets either. You I've don't have a ground, have, basically. Yeah, we don't, have, um, we don't have our own facility. We've got a, um, we've got a house in Edgware and, you know, and, and a lease at Radlett and very little else. So what's fun- the house in Edgware? I put um, about five or six players of the younger players in there. When they come to London, it's obviously very expensive. It's a nice place you can put. In theory, it's a place where they, um, where we can keep an eye on them. I'm, I'm never quite sure <laughs> that, that works as well as it should. But um, it's, a, uh, it's a good environment to be able to say to a kid, look, and to a parent, you know, come to London, you've got a bed, you've got a room, you know, we, and, um, and we do the right things there. But um, with, with, with the money, our, our major cost is people, and they're the one thing you don't want to cut. You never ever, ever want to, to cut your team because um, you can't afford them, and we've never done that in my time here. Um, 
and uh, we've got a slightly younger squad now, which brings the, the salary bill slightly under control. But certainly from 16, where you have a championship-winning team and a lot of players reaching 30, you end up with their salaries being quite toppy. And I, I, I'd love to see the figures of Middlesex in, you know, in 1988 or something, because with Ember's gap, you know, all, all these crew playing, um, the salary bill now would be just completely unsustainable in the salary cap for anyone. So it, it's, it, works, um, it works in a way that you, you sort of... It kind of balances out success. And, and when you look at how um, American sports work, um, they work very like that, where you, you, it's very hard to sustain success for too long because then the finances start to work against you. So, um, what players wanting more money, basically? Yeah, basically. And you've got a salary cap, you've got limited resources, and you know suddenly you, you can't end up with, with six, seven, eight players on, on six-figure salaries. Just, there just isn't the money to do it. So there will be some wastage somewhere in the line. Now, you hope those players will go and play for England because that changes the dynamic again. So, you know, if you look at your own Morgans, etc., you know, over the years, comparatively, we've paid him very little money ourselves because England have been, um, um, been paying him on a central contract. Um, and that's the, that's the beautiful scenario. Um, but then, of course, you don't see that player that you've nurtured. So, in a way, it's sort of counterproductive slightly, isn't it? Again, the whole thing is almost self-balancing. And that is one of the beauties of, of, of county cricket. I was listening this morning to... Um, uh, some of the analysis of the football last night and you, you you know the solution I think I hear for Manchester United is to spend 250 million quid this mm. this summer what is that sport it's not not in my eyes it's not Sachin Tendulkar the Tendulkar Academy which as I mentioned is sort of semi behind us here what what is that exactly so what what we did um about three or four years ago, um, we helped Sachin get his son Arjun some cricket in Middlesex. And uh, I had dinner with him and, and we started talking through just our objectives. And, and um, I had two major ones I wanted to talk to him about. One was engagement with the Asian community and, and actually a, a more diverse Middlesex side. But also, um, I, I've always been pretty impressed with Sachin's approach to the game. Incredibly hardworking, humble. Um, and um, think played the game in the in the right way, and and we'd done some work on values at Middlesex, which Gus was one of the first things Gus brought in. Um, you know, he wanted us to play cricket in the right way. Out of that conversation, um, we decided that we should work together and to create these academies. Um, we've done, uh, we did very quickly. We did a, a sort of some Tendulkar Middlesex um, camps at Merchant Taylors. We've done some in Mumbai and uh, and Pune and some other places in in India. And uh, we opened in January our first permanent academy at, at um, a place called D.Y. Patel um, in uh, Navi, Mumbai. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. I mean, you'll have, have been there yourself. Yeah. A marvellous stadium. Held the old IPL the final. And that was really... Um, that was, that was a really wonderful place to start our first academy. So, effectively, you've got a massive sports complex, big sports stadium, swimming pools, etc., and a cricket academy based there, um, alongside a sports club where people can use those, those facilities. So we've got a couple of hundred kids there signed up already, and uh, it was working beautifully until COVID um, pulled that out. That's a very long-term project, and we're now just looking at other sites in the UK and the rest of the world um, to site more academies. And, and what's the idea is to try and nurture players from that area wherever this academy is and hopefully filter them to Middlesex um, the last bit is 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 important um, you know to try and get some players for us but it's not really the driver the driver for us is just to have an influence on kids lives um, our model is about this isn't about um, uh, rich wealthy kids paying a lot of money for an academy it's about finding as many um, talented kids as possible and giving them an opportunity and teaching them 
in a way that both Middlesex and Sachin approve of. So we took our academy syllabus and Josh Knappett, our head coach, amended that with Sachin. Um, to bring in a, a sort of Sachinized approach to how Middlesex play cricket. So the kids who are, teach, who are being taught in our academies are being taught in the same way as you would have been, get, had been, um, and, and our current academy guys are. So we're trying to give those opportunities. And, we, and we're, there's, you know, we, we give 10% of our places free to talented kids who can't afford it. And um, we're looking to up our numbers on women's and girls um, a lot as well because that's a, another market that's very important to us um, and to Sachin. So there's a real meeting of minds there. But fundamentally, when I looked at us having another business, I looked at all the other counties. They've all got pop, pop concerts or hotels or all this stuff going on. The only thing we do well is cricket. So I thought any new business we have has got to be in cricket and it's got to be in cricket coaching. You know, I, I sat with the ECB and they said, well, what is Middlesex's role? Um, in the game and, and I slightly glibly said well Mike Gatting Mike Brearley you know yeah. Andrew Strauss Owen Morgan yeah. that's, Leadership. that's what we do we produce great yeah. cricketers who have impacted for England and we want to keep doing that as widely as possible around, around the globe and, and I think we can't have a better partner than, than Sachin I mean he's an amazing um, amazing individual um, hugely compelling um, and passionate about what he does and I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to have him um, you know, uh, doing this with us because sort of as an ally, really. Well, as, and as a you know, as a business, he owns half the business. I mean, you know, we own the other half, and, and he, um, I think, in his second career, I don't think um, that he has as much fun working with corporates and, and doing the sponsorship and all that sort of stuff as he does just teaching kids how to play cricket so we get the best bit of him we, be, we get the bit he likes we get a lot of his time I mean, a lot of sponsors and stuff have said to me well is Sachin really involved yeah he's here he's been at camps at Merchant Taylors you know he's always he's, he's very life he's very involved um, you know he's in our weekly meetings um, well our, our monthly meetings you know he's, he's very involved and it's been a really beautiful partnership actually it's gone very well just going back to the playing side, um, I suppose one thing that's uh, thrown the club out in a little bit is that you had Peter Hanscom as captain, who was going to come over from Australia. Well, now, presumably, he's not coming. So has that created a, an issue? And, and who will be the captain? Um, it's, it's a good question, and, and um, I'm going to refer you to Gus on that one uh, and Stuart, because okay. um, they, um, they, they haven't announced that yet. So uh, I'll, le- I'll leave that with them. But, yeah, Peter was going to come, and then we talked about him coming for a short period, um, August, September. I was quite keen on having him to acclimatise with all the players. And, you know, I, I thought in many ways that was a bit of a, a sort of free go for him to sort of get a bit of experience with the club. But just the COVID, it's, it's not ready for that yet, in, in, in my view, for him to come for such a short period with, you know, with the regulations as they are. So Peter will come next year, um, and we're very excited about that. You know, that's, um, everyone who's engaged with him comes, um, says he comes across incredibly well. I, I watched a bit of the Netflix um, documentary, and he came across very well in that. I think we need that leadership. I think it's good if it comes from outside the club. Um, it was very, very prominent um, when Chris Rogers was captain. He did very well for us. Um, Adam Voges was another magnificent captain, even though for a short period. Um, I think the players need someone to look up to, and there's nothing like a sort of t- tough Aussie to, you know, to get your, your team moving. We, Middlesex likes an Aussie. You're still here at Teddington. When do you expect, expect to get back to Lords, both working and playing? Um, well, obviously we're going to be playing from 1st of August um, uh, in county cricket. Um, we need to determine what the um, matches um, that we play at Lords will be, and that remains undecided. We don't have a schedule yet, uh, as we sit here now. 
So, um, we're likely to be playing at Radlett, is that right? Uh, Radlett's an option, um, and we'll see what happens with Lords. We've obviously, we, uh, we don't know yet the schedule, we don't know yet whether crowds are allowed. So there's sort of hourly conversations here um, going on about um, how we make that best fit. Um, I'm, I think crowds are, I'm quite optimistic that we might get some, some crowds in. Um, I, uh, I don't have any sort of special knowledge there, but I think that the way the direction of travel is all that um, uh, we, um, we're going in that direction where more and more people are able to do more and more things. I'd like to think that cricket could be quite a nice test bed for, um, for other sports maybe. Who knows, you know, that perhaps like football, you know, if they're going to end up with big crowds back in football, maybe you could trial it um, uh, with some crowds in cricket first. And uh, I, I think I think that'll that'll be key. But uh, you know you know yourself, Sam. This is moving on almost a daily basis at the moment as to what we can and can't do. And what worries me about that is obviously we'd only need one large problem, which could be nothing to do with cricket, just a national scale, and the, the landscape will change massively again. So in the meantime, with potentially no crowds, have you had any initiatives like these uh, football clubs where they either put up a screen of? Fans or cardboard cutouts of fans, which you can buy, apparently. <laughs> I'm not sure you... You haven't I'm, got to that stage yet. Perhaps. I'm not sure you need to recreate the atmosphere at some county four-day games. Oh, so. well, don't say that. Don't say um, that. That's a dangerous no, it's, comment. It, it's, um, Somerset will have you uh, hung, hung, drawn and quartered. And Essex. I, 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 think, I think that sort of stuff is, is unlikely, but I, I do think that cricket has a clear position here um, in the community. And we've seen that mostly you know because it's not been here for the community they really miss it so we've got to produce cricket in the right way and I think we've seen how important it is to everybody so um, you know going forward I'd like to think we we're going to learn some lessons here for next year when we get back to normal whatever normal looks like going forward because we can produce we can push cricket in a different direction um, to where it's been make it a massively community focused um, sport. We need to represent our community. We need to have people feeling that at nine years old, if they're talented, they can go up and be the next Mike Gatting if they come from Southall or they come from Isleworth or you know wherever wherever in the telling yeah wherever in the county they come from um, that they can come through the system and they're not going to be be blocked by you know the, the money coming in and, and actually stopping that happening. And I think that's our real opportunity. It links in very well with, with what you said earlier about about diversity and about the Asian and black communities because they're a massive part of that and they're the guys we want. They're the guys we want to believe they can be part of this club. And, you know, cricket's different now. Middlesex is different now. Lords is different now. We're, we, you know, we've gone past that sort of elite and isolationist sort of perspective. You know, we're really embracing now and that, that's the key to me to the future of this club. We will be a huge community club going forward and I think that's where county cricket needs to position itself I mean that's a good point and I, I suppose having had a daughter te- heavily involved in the, the Middlesex set up uh, in women and girls and so on I think one of the things that I mean we were able to afford the £250 worth of kit that you had to buy every year to the training kit and the playing kit and so on but I know from talking to people like Dean Headley working in youth cricket that that's one barrier to entry and that when we were young we weren't expected to buy you know all the kind of replica kit and stuff so is that the kind of thing that you have to look at to, to make sure everyone feels engaged yeah i think there's there's, there's two things really. money is an issue and make and dropping those barriers to entry and obviously we've got the all-stars cricket now which is not a very expensive program where people get a bat they get a bag they get they, they get the stuff and we've done an awful lot of bursaries giving free kit to kids um, during that period, but the biggest thing for me is it just is about the inclusiveness and welcoming. People will find a way 
if they if they have the desire the motivation to be to be cricketers and if we've got the right intent where we're being embracing we're trying to get everyone um, feeling part of the club then that's the biggest barrier you know do you do, do kids you know who aren't even playing cricket in a lot of state schools um, you know in and well my my you know, the, the, where my son goes, they don't play cricket, um, in, you know, in, in the state school. And, um, you know, do they believe they can be professional cricketers? We've got to make that happen. We've got to create that belief. And I think we've got advantages because of the lack of money. Um, we look much closer to the community. You know, do people believe they're going to be premiership footballers? Wow, it looks difficult now. You know, it, look, it, it looks so separate, gated communities they live in, you know. Or even, even the fact they've got football back so early, um, it sort of shows how much the money, the money talks. We can stay closer than that. And that's not a criticism or a competition to football. We're just saying we're just going to live alongside you in a different way. Obviously, you know, you've got a pleasant environment here uh, working. What are you going to miss about lockdown? The best thing about lockdown for me has been the engagement with with people and particularly our board actually and the other chief execs because we've all had time and there's been a lot of meetings discussions and a lot of data I think you're finding now that more people in cricket know more about their businesses than ever before because we're not rushing around making sure that the toilets are you know are functional and and you know that some uh, you know a member's been taken sick or something all those sorts of issues they've gone so I think you'll find now that that Everyone's really on top of their game. I think we've seen that with the ECB as well. They're right on top of all the game's issues. And that's, that breather has been, has been quite valuable. Would be an entirely fitting uh, end of the sort of September time for Middlesex to be playing in the Bob Willis Trophy final at Laws, wouldn't it? I, I, I hope so. I mean, I think that um, we brought Stuart Law in, what, about um, 18 months ago now and uh, he's going to be fantastic for us. He's had a year to look at the squad, and now we've got this funny little season, and, you know, you look at, again, look at the football, look at this short season, a lot of teams have coped with it better than others, and I'm pretty confident that we'll cope with it pretty well, that Stuart and Gus have done the right things, and, uh, yeah, I'd love to think that we could, we could get into a final. I've said to the players, we've got two trophies to win here. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're big, important trophies um, to, to win, and, and let's go and do it. Well, that's good, positive words from the Middlesex Chief Executive, Richard Goatley. Uh, let's hope that the weather stays as it has been uh, this week and, and hopefully next week and for the rest of the time when county season begins again, which is the 1st of August. We're all looking forward to that. I'm just looking across Bushy Park now at all the kids uh, joining the summer cricket camps, which, thank God, have been allowed to happen. We'll be reviewing the first day's play from the Old Trafford Test match on Thursday night. In the meantime, hope you get out and play some cricket or watch some cricket somewhere. And thanks for listening. Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.